What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards. Hey, Hoop Heads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Daily Thunder, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, At the Buzzer, and Cavaliers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoop Heads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, hoop heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. That game was like by far the weirdest game of the season for the Wizards. Um, It's fantastic that they're still alive. Um, That was um, game four of the series. They're down 3-0, winner go home, and all of a sudden Scott Brooks decided it was time to coach the game of his life, you know, make some adjustments, do some interesting, innovative stuff. So that's always super exciting. Um, but yeah, the Wizards just beat the Sixers 122-114 to 114 to stay alive um, in the series. They play again on Monday at a time to be determined. Um, <laughs> absolutely insane. Um, so going over the overview and four factors for this game, um, there was 109 possessions for the Wizards, 108 for the Sixers. That's really fast pace. Um, the Wizards offensive rating was 111.9 and the Sixers was 104.6. Um, Wizards effective field goal percentage 51.1. Um, Sixers was 47.9. Both was below average. Um, Wizards turnover rate was 12.8%, and the Sixers was 10.2%. Um, Wizards offensive rebound rate was 26.9%, which is in the about the 50th percentile, and Sixers was 22.2%, which is um, a little bit below average. And then Wizards free throw rate was off the charts at 37.9%, and the Sixers was at 22.9%, um, which is also above average if you're wondering why the game went so long um that's kind of why um ton of stoppages and free throws kind of annoying but anyways um yeah just an absolutely insane game um if you look at the espn's win probability model um the wizards looked pretty bad for about half the game and then all of a sudden something happened that might or might not have involved a certain player getting injured and um all of a sudden the wizards um were in really good shape at the beginning of the fourth quarter um the win probability was 93.2 percent um, and then all of a sudden it swung in the Sixers favor with like, <laughs> like two and a half minutes left. Um, and then the Wizards pulled it out in the end. Um, it's pretty tough for the Sixers to kind of just lose your best player. Uh, okay. Let's talk about that. I'll talk about that after I go through some of the bo- basic box stuff. Um, 
For the Wizards, Bradley Beal, again, was awesome. He played 43 minutes in this game. Um, Wizards plus 8 when he was on the floor. 27 points, 9 of 23 from the field, 7 of 8 from the line. So 27 points on 27 shooting possessions. Um, not insanely efficient, but for how the game was going, like, that's fine. Um, Rui Hachimura, with one of the best games of his life, had 20 points, 8 of 12 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3, and 1 of 2 at the free throw line. Um, 13 rebounds and 2 assists. Wizards plus 7 with him on the floor. Um, Daniel Gafford also was really, really good. Um, 12 points, 4-7 at the line, 4-4 from the field. Um, Wizard plus 9 when he was on the floor. Um, Desmond Collins got hurt in the middle of the game, still played um, 23 minutes, was 3-6 from 3 and 4-7 from the field overall. Also 4-4 at the line. Russell Westbrook had 19 points on, <laughs> oh God, um, 27 shooting possessions, which is insanely inefficient. We're going to touch on him later. Did have 21 rebounds and 14 assists. Six offensive rebounds, which is a great number. Um, Robin Lopez had 16 points. Robin Lopez was carrying the Wizards for like the first half of the game. That was absolutely hilarious. 8 of 11 from the field. He had like five hook shots in this game. Um, that was insanity. Um, Howanetta was also like awesome off the bench. He had 22 points. Um, 3 of 6 from the field, 4 of 5 from the free throw line. Um, really, really nice contribution from him on both ends of the floor. Um, and like that's the first positive game he's had since his he came back from injury, um, which is a super awesome sign. Um, looking at the Sixers. Um, Joel Embiid only played 11 minutes in this game. You know, that might have been significant <laughs> um, in terms of the outcome. But um, 11 minutes, 2 of 6 from the field, 4 4 at the line, um, 8 points. Um, ben Simmons only played 25 minutes in this game because of foul trouble. He had 5 at the end of the game. 13 points, 4 5 from the field, 5 11 at the free throw line. Obviously, that was big, which we will talk about. Um, Tobias Harris had 21 points on 26 shooting possessions, so pretty efficient night for him. 13 rebounds, 5 assists. Um, Tyrese Maxey came off the bench. He played big minutes. He was, had 22 minutes, which is a lot more than he usually plays. 6-12 um, from the field, 2-3 from 3, 1-2 from the free throw line. Um, also, like I thought had a really nice defensive game. Like I love Tyrese Maxey. I always have. Um, so that was... Fun to see. Um, and then George Hill like had a pretty nice night off the bench. And then like, Furkan Korkmaz um, in the fourth quarter to like seven of the Sixers' nine points, like get them right back in the game at one point. Um, yeah, so just like the most insane game ever. Um, Matisse Dybel hit two threes. Um, I guess the first overwhelmingly like impactful thing that we have to talk about, obviously, is the Joel Embiid injury. Um, Joel Embiid like fell after a layup or dunk or I don't even remember what it was at this point. That feels like years ago. Um, but he like landed on his butt. Um, and then he kind of walked off pretty gingerly, um, to the locker room and they ruled him out as right knee soreness. Um, I don't know about right knee soreness. Um, that's might be problematic. Um, but it looked more like a tailbone slash lower back injury. Um, Obviously, him missing time was big. Like the Sixers' offense after Joel Embiid went out was like completely different. Um, they don't have their guy to kind of just throw the ball into. And like, yeah, if we give the ball to this guy um, in the mid post on you know high post delay action, like low post, we're gonna get automatic offense. We're gonna get the defense in rotation. And if they don't get in rotation, we're gonna score because he can just score one on one with anyone in the Wizards. Like not having that guy who bends the defense to that extent for the Sixers was massive um they had to go to more Tobias Harris they had to go to more Ben Simmons they like this is a big reason why they needed more out of Tyrese Maxey they needed Tyrese Maxey off the bench to create shots because they didn't have that Joel Embiid level of shot creator guy um I don't know it feels kind of weird to say that like their center is like this big time shot creator but like that's the kind of impact that um Joel Embiid has on this team's offense um they were relying on guys like Shake Milton to run more pick and rolls he only played seven minutes he couldn't really handle load they're relying on guys like George Hill to run a lot more offense um 
And that's just not necessarily what you want. And then you, on top of that, you have Ben Simmons, um, who is going to help initiate some offense with his ball handling athleticism, especially like in transition, also being able to work in the short roll, um, like all that kind of stuff, um, setting inverted screens. Um, you couldn't really do much of that because he barely played half the game. Um, so the Sixers, from an offensive standpoint, they really, really, really struggled. And then Tobias Harris um, just straight up wasn't playing. It, like, he just wasn't making shots. I don't know if he wasn't playing as well. Um, the space creation didn't seem to be on the level that it has been in the first three games for him. Um, maybe part of that was because of lesser offensive threats. Like, the the Wizards were really, really collapsing on guys like Matisse Thibel. Like, their rotations were much better in this game. Um, they're even, like, helping off guys like Mike Scott, who's, like, you know, Mike Scott's supposed to be a shooter, supposed to be a stretch four. Um, was over three. Like, the Wizards weren't really worried about him. Um, but that kind of attention to detail is kind of what you would normally expect in a playoff game. And it took the Wizards until game four to start to execute. Um, and, like, after a Joel Embiid injury to start to execute anything. Um, but better late than never, I guess. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was an overall positive thing. Um, I guess, like, if there's one of my pet peeves is, like, I hate when, like, the Wizards win a game and, like, people get really, really excited. And I'm looking over and, like, yeah, the best player didn't play. Or, like, their two best players didn't play or, like, three of the stars didn't play. Like, I hate when that happens. Um, I always want to play teams at full strength because that's just the most fun to watch. It's the most fun to do podcasts about. And it's, like, actually the most telling um, as to what actually happened, like in terms of like evaluation. Um, so it sucks that Joel Embiid got hurt and didn't get to play. I would much rather have the Wizards win um, against Joel Embiid. Like, I hate it. Um, I'd much rather have the Wizards win with Ben Simmons playing 35 minutes. Um, but like, that's not on the Wizards. <laughs> like the Wizards can only play the team that is out there. So, you know, I can't complain too much. Um, yeah, so the other guy that um, was big in this game, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of who I want. Okay, so let's talk about Scott Brooks because um, that's kind of like a big thing that I've been begging for a ton. Like preview pod, I begged about um, making adjustments. Um, after the first game, I was like, okay, this is a feel-out game. Let's see what he does. Second game, I said, okay, he didn't do anything. What the heck are we doing? Third game, he made a little some adjustments, but they didn't work. I thought they were um, ill-conceived. Um, this game, he did stuff, and I am super, super happy. Um, the lowest hanging fruit was starting Daniel Gafford. Alex Lynn only played one minute in this game, and he had started the first three. Um, Daniel Gafford, yes, the thing is that Daniel Gafford cannot guard Joel Embiid in the post. But if you're going to bring help anyways, um, then the, the post defender isn't as big of a deal. You, and Gafford, credit to him, he did not jump on any stupid ball fakes, pump fakes, any of that crap, right? So he learned from his last performance where he was terrible against Embiid. Um, did he hold up well against Embiid? No. Like he foul, he got two fouls in like three and a half minutes. Um but it looked better than last time. Um, but like, man, Joel Embiid fouling out, like, biggest beneficiary of that was probably Daniel Gafford because he kind of doesn't look good at all against Embiid. And then against, like, Dwight Howard, he looks really, really good. Um, but yeah, like, Daniel Gafford was really good in this game. Um, and he started. Like, like, that's something I called for last podcast, him to start. And he did um, just playing in his role, like rim running, um, getting out on the floor when he needs to. Uh, it's kind of questionable at times, um, but he was more effective in this game than usual. Um, just getting tons of rebounds. Um, he was pretty good in terms of rebounds this game. Got a couple offensive rebounds, um, blocking shots. Um, being a rim protector, he had five blocks in this game. Um, he was all over the place in terms of that. Like He was part of the reason that um, they held Tobias Harris a little bit more in check because if he was attacking the rim, they had more of a vertical um, threat there um, You know, with longer arms versus like an Alex Len guy. Um, who, like, Tobias Harris does like to um, pull up a little short, um, and then, like, Daniel Gafford is still there to contest, like, you know, five-foot floaters. Um, so that was an adjustment that was kind of low-hanging fruit. Um, 
I think that Scott Brooks um, played a lot around with was where the help comes from against Joel Embiid, um, whether it's not bringing help, whether it's bringing help just straight off Matisse Thibel, whether it's bringing it from the baseline like before, whether it's just Rui, wherever he is on the floor. Like he tinkered around with where the help was coming from, which is something that I've been begging from um, from the preview pod. I'm happy that he finally did it. Um, yes, I think it's way too late. I think he should have been doing it from game one. But again, it's better late than never. The Wizards are still like their season's still alive. They're down three one. Like the odds of them coming back still aren't great. Um, but like he adjusted eventually, um, which is a positive thing. Um, another thing he did um, was that he just mixed up the rotations a little bit. Like Robin Lopez played a lot more minutes than before um, because he was playing well. Like Howell Neto played a lot more minutes than usual. Like even Isak Bonga came in for a defensive sub, which Scott Brooks does not do that often. He does not bring in defensive subs that often. And to do it with Isak Bonga is something that I've been calling for for literally the whole entire season. Um, and I'm really, really glad he did that. He even threw like... Anthony Gill out there. Like, Gill didn't do anything, but, like, you're down 3-0. you got to just start throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Um, That's got to be your strategy, and that's what Brooks did. And my favorite thing, or I guess not my favorite thing, because I'm not sure if I agree with it, but the most interesting, innovative thing that Scott Brooks did, um, Hacka-Simmons. Um, with two minutes and 47 seconds left, he started to implement the hack a sim strategy. Um, I think a really, really interesting analytical discussion that probably needs to be researched some is at what point you um, kind of adjust your prior. Um, so on the season, Ben Simmons is a 61% free throw shooter. And I think at that point when he started doing the hack a Simmons, he was like, what, one for 10, one for 11, something like that, two for 12, I, I don't know, something like that. Um, so at what point do you adjust your prior of 61% off the sample size of a whole season to look at the microcosm of what he's been doing in the past few games? Um, I would say more than 10 attempts at the free throw line is when you adjust your prior. Um, but I don't know. Like, I, I haven't seen research done on this. Um, I'm sure there's some out there somewhere. Um, but this is a discussion I brought up when the Wizards, I believe they played the Celtics, and the Celtics are doing Hacko Westbrook because um, Westbrook was like 1 in 10 from the line in that particular game. Um, so I think that's an interesting topic of discussion. Um, Mike Bowie, um, who does runs unpredictable, um, his, um, hack a, hack a calculator, I think he calls it, um, said that you need to be a 47% free throw shooter to justify, um, hacking a player in that situation. Um, and he said like his conclusion was that, um, you shouldn't do it because Benson is a 61% free throw shooter. But again, like how much do you adjust your priors? Um, it's an interesting discussion, uh, I think, in the Wizards, um, the way that they looked at it, like the Wizards have a pretty expansive um, analytics team. Like they have the one of the largest analytics teams in the league. Um, so I guess like those guys were crutching the numbers and they decided, hey, look, let's foul Simmons. Like that's the best move for us. That's the best move to give us the best chance to win is to just go start hacking Simmons. Um, and that's interesting. Um, something else that was interesting that um, I believe Mike Prada brought up um, was that um, if you foul, then automatically you're working in half-court sets, um, which the Wizards weren't great at. But the sets that the Wizards were running near the end of the game were much, much better than like their usual sets at the end of the game. And that was another adjustment made by Scott Brooks. Um, he was running tons of actions, um, like a variety of stuff with um, Bradley Beal, but the most effective was inverted screens with Hal Neto. Um, Hal Neto was being guarded by Seth Curry for the most part down the stretch. Um, if you set an inverted screen with Seth Curry, he's either going to have to do a hard show um, or he's going to have to just straight up switch. Um, and some of the communication on that late in the game was a little bit iffy um, because I guess they're not used to doing a ton of that. Or also like Seth Curry, the angle on his hard show wasn't always great. Um, so it was, um, and then Beal was able to kind of maneuver around for a long time. So then it was either um, Seth Curry and Danny Green were out there guarding Bradley Beal out on the floor and the ball could start swinging or um, 
I mean, yeah, or Bradley Beal could just attack Seth Curry in the hard show. So that happened a couple times, um, and that was really, really, really effective. Um, what wasn't effective, no, I don't want to get into negatives yet. Um, so let's talk about Rui Hajimura. Um, He did great. Like, this looked like a role that he could potentially play in the future um, of just running the floor really, really hard in transition, making open shots, um, making quick decisions, swinging the ball quickly, um, you know, being a solid help defender in terms of rotations, um, really being just super, super active, high motor guy, like athletic guy. Like, he's not going to be a superstar. He doesn't have the skill set. Like, he's just not. Like, you have to kind of throw that out the window. If he can be a high-level role player, like a fourth starter on a really good team, like kind of like the way he looked today, that's a pretty good outcome. Like, that's a very, very good outcome. I'd be perfectly happy with that outcome if Rui Hachimura turned into that. Because um, he, was, he was fantastic today. He was. Um, he was all over the place. Like, he was playing good defense. His rotations were just way better than usual. Like, you, his help, for the most part, was pretty early in terms of, like, where he was at. Like, that was also a big part. Like, he also did a good job, a much better job on the ball against Tobias Harris. That's impressive because that's where he's really, really, really struggled throughout the series. Um, he was on Ben Simmons a lot. He did a better job. Um, he did a good job of attacking. He did a good job of just hitting shots. Like some of that, yeah, that's variance. Like he's not going to always hit shots. He's not a very good shooter right now. But him stepping up and hitting shots was great. His rim running was fantastic. Like just running the floor, getting easy buckets. That's a great thing. Like I've never seen Rui Hachimura more excited in my life. <laughs> Screaming at Tobias Harris to get a technical foul. I hate that technical foul call, but I love um, like, come on, like, but this is the NBA. Like, why are we calling technicals on, like, taunting? Not even taunting, just yelling at someone after you dunk on them. Um, so I can't be mad at that. That's stupid. Um, but Rui, like, running the floor, like, he has great physical tools. And he used them tonight. And I'm super, super happy um, that he had one of the best games of his life in this moment. Um, another guy, Dallas Rattans. He got hurt in this game. I don't know what his status is. Um, but they ruled him out, like, kind of relatively quickly. So that's always a bad sign. Um, but he looked pretty good tonight and he was moving much better off the ball than usual. Um, that's something I've been calling for. I don't know if that's another Scott Brooks adjustment that he made. I'm just using him more off the ball. Um, but that was really, really good stuff from him. Um, Robin Lopez was an absolute monster in the post. Um, that was really, really fun. <laughs> um, and then again, Howell Neto was really, really good. Um, he was playing really strong defense. He was pushing the pace in transition and making good decisions and started passing reads, um, attacking closeouts and making plays, getting the defense rotation. Like all that stuff was really, really good. I really hope how Neto resigns here, uh, next year. Um, in terms of Sixers guys, um, I don't know where, like, hmm. So they kind of let the wizards off the hook, I want to say, um, because I don't think many of their guys played well. Like, I think when Simmons is out there, besides the free throw stuff, like, for the most part, he's, like, just so good defensively. Um, Their defense is completely different with him off the floor, and obviously, like, also with Joel Embiid. Um, I think Danny Green is just, like, straight up really, really, really good. Like, I think his defense in this game is really good, and, like, he's just so smart off the ball um, offensively and defensively. Um, But if you try to put him in more of an offensive creator role, that's where he really, really struggles. Like, if Danny Green is dribbling the ball, you don't want that. (laughs) You don't want that at all. Um... Like I, like I said, I explained why Tobias Harris I didn't think he played well. Like Seth Curry didn't have his best game. He was 0 for 4 from 3. Um, I don't know. He didn't play a ton. He only played 28 minutes. Like his defense, I don't think, was great tonight. Not a very strong Seth Curry game. Like Mike Scott played 17 minutes. I don't understand why he even played at all. Like I'd rather just throw out Matisse Thibel and have like someone else just play the 5 or like not even play a 5 against the Wizards. Like are you really that scared of Daniel Gafford at the 5? Like just space him out. Um, and then try something else. Like, that's what I would do if I were the coach of the Sixers. Like, throw in Shake Milton, throw in Furkan Korkmaz, throw in Matisse Thibel. That's who I would throw in there um, just to kind of mess with their spacing. Um, but yeah, Mike Scott played 17 minutes, looked bad. Dwight Howard played 14 minutes. He 
Like, he got outplayed by Daniel Gafford, straight up. Um, Daniel Gafford kind of did the Dwight Howard role better than Dwight Howard, um, just being a super energy guy. Um, yeah, I talked about Tyrese Max, who was awesome in this game. Matisse Thibel hit two threes, um, really, really good defensively. Um, but some of his decision-making was really hesitant. Um, yes, he made two threes, but he's still a really reluctant shooter because like, he knows that he's not, like, he's not a good shooter. Um, if he shoots, like he shot five threes in this game, the Wizards will live with that 100%. If he shot five more threes in this game, made two, you know, you just kind of have to throw your hands up and say whatever. But the Wizards were going to let him shoot. And they finally really, really adjusted by putting weaker defenders on him or better help defenders on him and then just helping off him and not guarding him at all, not closing out to him at all. Um, that's what you want to do against non-shooters. And they finally did that. Um, Shake Milton wasn't very good. Furkan Korkmaz, um, he was good. Like, <laughs> I don't understand why George Hill didn't play more. He only played 22 minutes. I think that's weird. Um... And then Anthony Tolliver, Paul Reed, Isaiah Joe did not get minutes. Um, stinks. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyways, um, what else do I want to talk about? Oh, got to get to the negatives. Um, first negative is to me is Russell Westbrook. Um, Westbrook, in terms of his ability to continue to play the way that he plays, um, just like pushing the pace in transition, playing really hard, going after rebounds, that kind of stuff. Um, when he was not shooting the ball well at all. Like, I think that that's a positive thing. Um, like, but sometimes late in the game, it's like, okay, Russell Westbrook, you just dribbled 20 seconds for 20 seconds to get no advantage and then take a pull-up elbow mid-range jumper that you're not very good at shooting. And there's two minutes left in the game. What are we doing? Like, you, we swung the ball around and we got it to you. You're wide open in the corner for three. A minute and a half left in the game and it's tied and you shoot it. That's not good offense. We don't want you shooting the ball at all. So then it's kind of like, what do you do with Westbrook? He needs to really, off the ball, be more of a serial cutter and serial screener. That's my the role that I envision for him in being in half-court offense to be an effective player, like maybe even utilize him in the dunker spot. I don't know, get creative with him. Um, but yeah, like it's just so tough to formulate a role for Russell Westbrook in the half-court when you the guy who's you want the ball in the hands of is obviously Bradley Beal. Um like Russell Westbrook can handle while Bradley Beal cuts off the ball all you want. But at the end of the game, you want Bradley Beal in his hands, set, like using him in like inverted screen actions, using him in just normal high ball screens with Daniel Gafford. Like that's what you want. Um, you don't want Russell Westbrook really on the ball at all in those situations unless it's pushing in transition where he's awesome. Um, but yeah, like looking at a shot chart, one for two from inside the restricted area, that's not enough attempts. 0 for six from inside floater range, um, two of seven from mid-range, 0-1 from corner three and 0-3 from above the break three, like his offensive scoring is just not good. Like it's just not. Like he's never like this season at any point been like an efficient scorer. Like his efficiency is so bad. Like he has to stop shooting so much just straight up. Like the passing is still really good. Like when he can get downhill and get inside, like it's still really good. Um, But if it's not that, then like we don't need it. Like especially when you get to the playoffs and you get to like such fine margins, like you don't, you can't live with bad shots. Um, especially ones that come early in the shot clock. And those are the ones that Russell Westbrook really, really has to take out of his diet. Where we'll give him a ton of, a ton of credit is finding a way to get downhill when the defense is really, really playing off of him. A lot of that's attacking early offense. Um, a lot of that's attacking on swings. Um, and like that stuff is all good. Um, he got to the line 16 times and made 13 free throws. That's big. Um, and that's also, that's a really big number. Like that's, that's great, right? Um, that's exactly what we want from him. But like, you can get that. You can do that without taking seven million jumpers. You can do that without taking four threes. Like the proportion of shots outside the paint to shots inside the paint should not favor shots outside the paint. Like he shot 11 shots outside the paint and eight shots inside the paint. Why? Like, what is that? That's garbage. Um, 
That's why I will say he got triple double. I could not care less. He was not good in this game. Like he was not above what I would expect out of him in a playoff elimination game. Like he was below my expectations. I do not care if he got a triple double. That means nothing to me. Like he wasn't very good. Um, but like I said, the passing was good. The attack was good. The defense was really bad. Um, and you know, the scoring was awful. Um, I want to see how far into this we are. Uh, 22 minutes. Um, yeah. So talk about a little bit of the, what could happen next game. Um, so Joel Embiid, if he doesn't play, like, I don't know what the Sixers do. Like if I were them, I'd 1000% play Ben Simmons at the five and then slide in either Furkan Korkmaz, George Hill, or Shake Milton into the starting lineup, or maybe even Matisse Thibel. I would just throw one of those guys in there. Like, or even Tyrese Maxey. Like, I just would not play a center. I don't know why they think they need to play Mike Scott at center. I think that Ben Simmons, the way that he can, like, just insanely wreck game plans is by playing the five. If you play Ben Simmons at five against, like, a Robin Lopez type guy, like, I think that the Wizards would just absolutely get demolished. Um, Even, like, against Daniel Gafford, I think that that's, like, they would just demolish them. Like, I think that that would just unlock so much for Ben Simmons. I can't wait to see if a coach ever gets in there and staggers the Sixers lineups in a way that Ben Simmons is their backup five. Because um, I think that's, like, the future of the league. Like, just centers that are like Ben Simmons. Um, but, yeah, that would be really interesting. I don't know if Docker is innovative enough to try something like that. Um, looking at the Wizards, if Davis Rutans can't play in the next game, he's been starting next to Rui Hachimura, Daniel Gafford in the front court. I would... Hmm. I don't know who would slide in. Like Neto, I guess, how Neto would slide in. Um, but then that would kind of give you a three-guard problem where you had in other games um, that you just don't have the size to guard the Sixers. Um, so if that happens, then all of a sudden you get back to your old problems, I mean, which are kind of the problems you've already had before. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, there's not really any other option. Like, it'd be like Ish Smith, I guess, is your other option. Anthony Gill. Like, you're not going to throw in another center. Um, so... Yeah, Howell Neto, I guess the the guy who would start um, if Dodge Bertans can't go in the next game. Um, but yeah, like this series got a little more interesting. Um, I still don't expect the Wizards to win, but you know, crazier stuff has happened in the world, I guess. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go through my notes and that'll be it for this episode. Um, oh my God, the first um, few minutes in this game were like absolute disastrous. Like it was 20 to 10. Like I thought the season was over. I was getting ready to come on here all sad, like do a little like recap pot. Like I don't even, I don't even know what I was going to do with this. Wizards just got ran off the court. Um, but that game ended up being super fun and exciting. Um, thank goodness. Um, my first one was Simmons scored so easily in transition. He scored a couple buckets like right away. So just so easily in transition, just running down the court, beating everyone, like using his size and length and athleticism advantage, especially against Rui Hachimura, who needs to get better in terms of his technique and transition. Um, defense, um, Ruan Simmons and Russ on Harris doesn't matter right now. Um, that's how the Wizards started in terms of, um, matchups. Um, Gafford picked up two fouls in three and a half minutes. Uh, talk about that. Um, the help in no man's land, um, from the baseline on, yeah. So like at the very beginning, there's a couple of possessions where the help on a beat post-ups was kind of a no man's land. And I always hate that. Like that's, I think that's garbage. Um, Sixers are getting shots at the rim insanely easily. Um, this is all in the first quarter, like where it looked like they were going to run off the floor. Um, Wizards do Hack and Simmons in the first quarter. They did try that one time. I thought that was interesting. Um, now the Wizards are finally doubling off Tybal, um, finally trying stuff in game four. Um, end of quarter, Bong comes in, blah, blah, blah. I talked about all these, like, I love that Scott Brooks did something in this game. Like, thank goodness. Um, Wizards completely leaving Thibel, Brooks, coaching for his life right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of true. Like, something that I thought of was like, if Scott Brooks lost that game, I don't think he ever is a head coach in the league ever again in his life. So, like, he's literally kind of, to me right now, coaching for his, like, head coaching future ever. 
Um, I'll still be shocked if the Wizards give him an extension though after this year. Um, Lopez is the one player keeping the Wizards in it, killing the defense right now um, on the offensive glass and with his post touches. Absolutely hilarious. Um, Westbrook has been awful this game. <laughs> I wrote that in the second quarter. Um, Simmons barely played in the second quarter. I'm not sure why. Just because you have three fouls doesn't mean that you should just take him out. Like, yeah, that's stupid. Like, fouling yourself out of the game or fouling your own player out of the game is something that's, like, one of my biggest pet peeves that I hate coaches, like, do. Like, to me, that's just so dumb. Um, Wizard won with this, like... The Sixers lost this game, and Ben Simmons played 25 minutes, and he only had five fouls. You have to play him the maximum amount of minutes that you can to get the most positive impact out of him. If you don't do that, like, he played 25 minutes. Maybe he could have played 26 minutes, and that would give you an extra, I don't know, half a point or something. Like, maybe he could have played 29 minutes and then gotten six fouls and just not played down the stretch, but you still have that positive value. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me what the thought process is. Um, Wizards went... Um, small with Embiid and Howard out. Um, yeah, that was interesting. That was another adjustment that um, Scott Brooks made. Um, Gafford looks a whole lot better when Simmons is in him. <laughs> um, I'm, I think that was supposed to say Embiid, but whatever. Um, Gafford is closed out. Short on Danny Green has no shot against Embiid, but other than that, he looks great. Um, yeah, like he still has his moments. He's only in his second year in the league, but he looked pretty good in this game. Um, Harris is absolutely hunting Ishmith. Like, yeah, Ishmith playing 20 minutes is kind of questionable at this point, especially if he's on the floor with Westbrook. Like, if Westbrook's off the floor, like, fine. Uh, but, like, yeah, he gets, he's just too easy of a matchup on defense. Um, not sure why Mike Scott is getting minutes at all. <laughs> Talked about that. Um, it's confusing as to why the Sixers' offense seems to devolve so much after the impede injury. Yeah, like, you still should have advantages at two positions with um, Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons. Like, I don't understand why their offense looks so bad when Embiid went out. Um, a lot of stuff also opens up for Rui with him beat out. Yeah, like that's a big factor. Like Rui attacking the paint against like Ben Simmons or Mike Scott is completely different than attacking the paint against Joel Embiid, locking it down. Um, <laughs> fourth quarter, I wrote in my notes, why is Furkan Korkmaz cooking right now? <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, all of a sudden, the Wizards offense is really slowing down with Simmons back in. Such a huge piece. Um, Maxi giving good minutes late in this game on both sides of the ball. I talked about that. Um, not sure why the Wizards deciding to passing the ball shouldn't like, yeah, like all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, like sometimes the Wizards offense does have a tendency to go more towards iso ball and less towards what they've been doing. Um, they went away from that eventually, but like that was like a little bad stretch of like four minutes. Um, four minutes left in the elimination game and Russell Westbrook shooting threes. Why? <laughs> um, Hack of Simmons, talking about that. Um, Scott Brooks with a genius strategy and then four question marks after that. Um, yeah, Scott Brooks normally not perceived as a strategist by me. Um, Beal Neto and Verde screens are awesome. Is Brooks good? Question mark. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Um, in predictable, I'll talk about that. Um, okay, yeah. So that's going to do it for this episode. Um, really, really, really fun game. Wizards keep the season alive. Next game on Wednesday. We don't know what time it is. I'm guessing it'll be at 7 o'clock. Um, but yeah, we'll see. So um, definitely check that game out. And then our podcast coming out that night. Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. I'll see you next time.